Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground Podcast with kittens and unicorns. Hello. You're so quiet each time. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's... Oh, Boris. Yeah, you're probably... Sounds like a bag of potato chips is being opened. Uh, well, I keep my mic in place with a plastic bag. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's sad. <laughs> I know I should, like, replace it with... I should get, like, foam or something, because I've had this plastic bag in there for, like, two or three months now. <laughs> um, and Boris always rubs up against it and makes it rustle. But, uh, so who are you talking to? You made me out to be a liar. You're not talking to Yoga Nerd, right? No, you know, I run into technical difficulties with the call. So next week it goes up. All right. But this week we have Burl Ives Left Nut. Woo! I thought you were going to say Burl Ives Cock for a second. <laughs> I was like, you're mixing him up with NBC for a sec. Yeah. Um, but they don't, they don't. Oh, Burl Ives, the one who you didn't ask about all of his fake bot followers. <laughs> Okay, real quick, Burl Ives has, like, 11,000 followers on Twitter, and, like, 10,500 of those were bought. Apparently not by him, by somebody fucking with him, and hopefully by me laughing about this, that person will buy more and piss him off more. But, uh, yeah, what did you talk to him about, or what do you want to say about it? Well, uh... I like that that concept pisses you off so much. No, I'm just like a little bit. I don't know what to say right now. Um, <laughs> We're both tired. Um, I'm going to say that Burl Ives really surprised me with a lot of his background. And that I'm really familiar with how open he is with his sexual escapades and his sexuality. <laughs> and that he had attended a seminary. At one what? point, yeah. To become uh, like a priest? Something like that. I mean, so there are little bits like that that are really, I think, add context to a commenter's comments and yeah. just gives more background. I think it's actually surprisingly common that gay men start, like, consider the seminary at least. Because I know my friend who's married to a man now considered it and I think I've heard about other gay I guess gay Catholic men <laughs> I don't think like gay Jewish men consider going to the seminary I don't know it's like, <laughs> I, that's I mean I would I, I, how could I ask <laughs> who, who could I ask I don't know gay Jewish Maybe men bro. please reach out to us and let us know if you've ever considered going into the seminary <laughs> For, to become a Catholic priest. Um, I'm going to say that, like, Burl describes this one memory. He has a sexual memory he has when he's, like, three years old. Hmm. He, he, he tells it in the podcast, but I hope that somebody is, like, able to draw it because, um, I don't know. Let me just say that it's one word comes to mind, and it's steamy. <laughs> of his three-year-old that- sex fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say steamy because you're gonna and it sounds it's not what it sounds. Okay. Okay. 
so I would I would be curious to see how this is interpreted as a drawing, like, considering it's a memory from a three-year-old. <laughs> Alright, I guess we're done here. Enjoy for all eyes. Left cock. Hello, Burl Eyes Left Nut. Hey, how are you, kittens and unicorns? Good. Um, am I coming in clear for you now? Uh, clearer, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I know I, t I say this usually to everybody that I talk to so far, but I think I, I am surprised by your voice. I'm so used to your avatar that I kind of thought you would sound... Like, like Burl Ives? Well, yeah, like, you know, Grumpy Old Men, that movie? Like, I kind uh -huh. of thought you would sound like that. Well, I guess that's, uh, I guess I'm disappointed that I don't sound like a grumpy old man. I mean, I guess like, you could easily sound like a 20-year-old young man. Yeah, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and people always assume I'm younger than I really am. Even just based on looks or just voice? Yeah, just based on looks. Well, that's so really good I don't know why that is, because I've worked very, very uh, hard in my life to uh, seem older because <laughs> I've never liked young people, even myself as a young person. Oh, even yourself as a young person at yes. Universal Studios, uh, hugging that shark, Do, Jaws. Say again. Even young, young Burl at Universal Studios, hugging Jaws. Uh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, when you're a kid. I'm, I mean, like, when you're a young adult. I see. Uh, and, and in high school, my nickname was actually Grandpa because I would, I would wear nice shoes and pants and a tie in a totally non-nerdy way. I mean, I looked good. But uh, they always thought that I dressed like an old man. So I was a, I was a drama dork. So, I mean, uh, and I've always been a big ham. Yeah, I read that you were in drama in high school in one of your comments. Yes. I I actually lettered in drama. Oh, no way. I t I t at my school, if you took four years of any elective, uh, whether it was drama or football or soccer, you could, uh, you could get a letter jacket. I actually never got my letter jacket, but I did letter in theater. I, I was about to ask you if you proudly wore your letterman's jacket around school because I would. No. In <laughs> fact, like my my uh, I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad made me get a class ring for high school. Mm. And I was such a oh, I was such a little church geek. I actually got the one, you know, who makes those? Jo Is it Jostin? The class who makes ring? all the class rings. I, have no, I never got one. Okay. Well, anyway, you have all these choices about, you know, what you want to get on them. I mean, you don't, it doesn't have to be uniform with everyone else. And I was such a little churchgoer that I actually had a cross on top of the jewel in my class ring. But then when I got out of college, I, I lost it immediately. Wait, so I didn't know, I never knew that you used to be a big churchgoer. Oh, yeah. From the time I was 15 until the time I was 25, I was really involved in the church. And after graduating college the first time, I actually went to seminary for one quarter and then bugged out right after that. Oh, you were quite serious. 
Yeah, I I thought that I was called into the ministry and all that monkey business. Why did you think but, that? I mean, uh, I was I was I was actually engaged oh. to a woman at the time. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it only lasted about two years. Uh, but when you realize that you kind of want to fuck the the pastor who will be performing the ceremony more than you do your fiance. Mm -hmm. It, you know, kind of changes your perspective on what you want out of life. Did you go to church your whole life? No, oh. no, just from 15 to 25. I didn't grow up in church. I, I started going to church, uh, for, uh, the most lascivious of reasons. I went to a church party because we me and my friends were hungry and one of their friends, one of my friends' parents was hosting like a singles mixer or something. And I walked in and there was this man. We were wearing the same shoes and he had the most beautiful legs I'd ever seen and soulful eyes. And um, I was like, mm, maybe church isn't so bad. So, I mean... I started going to church just to be able to look at uh, older men in their nice suits and such. But you and knew you were gay then? Because you were looking I'm at I'm sorry? Old. You knew you were gay then when you were 15? Oh, looking yeah. Old. I've known my whole life. Uh, I've only come out at like one job. I, you know, I mean like my friends know, but a lot of times, you know, social acquaintances won't know. Uh, I mean, they, I'm sure they suspect. I mean, it's not like I, I don't hide it, but, mm -hmm. but I don't, I, I'm not honest about it. I, you know, I have to do the whole, whole thing where, you know, I switch pronouns and stuff like that. Cause I work in a very conservative industry mm. and, um, I did come out at one company that I worked at and about three months later I got fired and they had a whole list of reasons why they fired me, but, but it was pretty clear the reasoning behind it. So on a related note, like, let's say you're working with a coworker, you guys get along relatively well, and then, mm -hmm. but they don't know you're gay. And if they suddenly ask, not suddenly, but you know, they turn around and ask you, oh, Pearl, are you gay? Is that rude? Or is that a weird question? It does seem a little bit like, because it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Um, you're right. It shouldn't. Uh, that has happened to me before. Mm hmm I, some people have asked me that. Mm -hmm. uh, does it I was take you back? Like, does, do you feel taken back? A less back? conservative company, and I've been honest mm. and told them. Uh, generally, someone would only ask me that if um, there was a level of friendship there that that surpassed just the coworker thing, the coworker level of relationship. Have Holly. you ever been asked that question out, like, not from someone who you would consider a friend? Just if, if someone that, that I didn't consider a friend asked me, um, I, I'd, I'd probably try to make a joke out of it. And <laughs> if, you know, the joke didn't work, then I, I'd, I'd probably lie. I mean, I, I hate to do that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, after the 2008 uh, financial collapse, I mean, I was unemployed for 14 months. And homeless for many of those months, you know, I, I there's no way I could go back to that. So I just have to 
keep my head down, do the work, and try to be as helpful and joyful to the people I work with as I possibly can. Mm, I'm going to ask you Gawker-related questions, but since we're already going this route, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to just ask you some questions about this. So I saw your comment to Rob NYC the other day, and I'm going to read it to you, and I, I would like you to um, expound more on it. As a queer, gay marriage is not a hot button issue for me. Equality is, though. And all this talk about gay marriage is just detracting from that more important topic. And the rhetoric is couched in a lot of capitalistic ideas. How many boneheaded stories have we heard about bakers who won't bake gay wedding cakes because the gay couple's feelings got hurt? That is like a microcosm of what needs to change with regards to how people should relate to queers. Um, so can you go into more detail with what you mean? And like, so what else, what should people change in how they relate to queer folk? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's it's like relating to black people. I mean, it, it would take a seismic shift in the culture of this country for us to get at a point where we are accepted on the same level that that um, uh, just regular straight people are. You're located uh, in New Jersey, and, New and York. And we really haven't. I mean, there's been great strides in gay rights. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, I guess people would say Harvey Milk was our Martin Luther King. Right. And, and that's awesome. But what Martin Luther King did and Lyndon B. Johnson you know, for that matter, getting the Civil Rights Act pushed through is far greater than, and I'm not, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I'm making a comparison between being black and being gay, but I'm, I'm just talking about civil rights in general. But what happened by getting that Civil Rights Act passed was far greater than any legislations that has been passed for gay people. Because what we have now is, wow, we can get married. Well, a lot of queers, I, I mean, I don't give a fuck about marriage. Why? You know, that's the least of my worries. Okay, yeah. I mean, you, you've, I'm sure you've seen it, and this sounds cliched, but in most of the country, yes, you can now get, well, in all the country, you can now get married, and you can get fired for it for the ne- very next day right. once they find out you're gay. We don't have you know, all the protections. So, and I think I may have even followed up on, you know, that comment. I'm not, I can't remember if I thought it or if I actually wrote it down. But even if there was a constitutional amendment, you know, adding language to the Constitution, you know, that, you know, queers are, you know, equal, you know, to everyone else in the eyes of the law, it still wouldn't take away those prejudices, as we can see with what's happening with black people now and Black Lives Matter. You know, there is still an undercurrent of racism in this country that I'm not sure will ever go away. And, and I'm not sure it will ever go away with homophobia. Um, it's just this country is... And, and, I shouldn't say just this country, a lot of the known world is just really backwards when it comes to things like this. 
But you're located in New York, New Jersey, I think, yes? Southern New Jersey. Southern, oh, okay. Um, I guess I thought you were in New York, so, I mean, for you to say that, like, you're not, like, screaming to the world that you're gay, I guess, at work, it seems like you hide it a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm just a little taken back, just because I, I would think that, you know, on that side of town, it would be a little bit more liberal, but... Well, I tell you what, for one, again, I'm in a conservative industry. And then secondly, South Jersey, if you've never been here, you wouldn't know this. It It is kind of like, um, I would say, the Alabama of the Northeast. It's it's very rednecky. You see a lot of Confederate flags on trucks around here. Whoa. And I like it. I mean, I, I don't like the Confederate flags on the truck. <laughs> But I love the area. It's very pretty. I love being on the beach. It, it It's gorgeous. I think the people of New Jersey are absolutely fantastic. I'm glad that people think that New Jersey is such a shithole because it means fewer people come here. Uh, I don't like the politics here, and I don't like some of the laws here. But overall, this is the best place I've ever lived. I think the quality of life is just phenomenal. But... Where I am in southern New Jersey, it's it's much more open. It's much more rural. And because of that, you have a lot of good old boys who go hunting and fishing. And, like, for instance, just to give you an example, I have a boss who's my age. Well, I've heard him drop the N-word, uh, you know, a couple of times that I've been there. And I always chide him about it. He still uses the term colored to read for to black people he's your age yeah he's my age he he um has made jokes in my presence about we can take a lot of things around here but we can't take faggots so and this is and let me tell you something about this guy this is actually a good-natured person it's just the way he was raised so i'm not saying he's not racist and he's not homophobic i'm not going to make that claim but he's a very sweet man and it's it's kind of fun working with them because he knows I am like I'm a progressive on almost a, a fascistic level. Is fascistic a word? It is now. Yeah, it, it now it's coined. And he knows this about me and he will tease, you know, me about it. But what's fun is that when you present him with a clear argument as to why you believe something. He listens. And just as an example, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about my boss, but just an example, the whole Confederate flag thing that happened after the shootings in South Carolina, mm-hmm. he brought that up at a staff meeting. So that gives you some idea of what his personality is like. <laughs> like, why would you bring that up? And so we immediately got into, you know, a heated argument about it. And I work with someone from, I'm from Texas originally, and I work with someone from the South who is very, very Southern, which is very annoying because the reason I moved here was to get away from that. And we had this whole, you know, debate about the Confederate flag. Well, most everyone was, most people were telling my boss mm-hmm. he was being a shithead about it. And his his views on it started to change. And now he's gotten to the point where if he sees a Confederate flag on a, a truck in a parking lot when he's out canoeing with his family... He'll send me a text with the picture saying, should I beat the shit out of this guy when he comes back to his truck? So 
But I mean, that that's kind of the culture here. People with really big hearts, but they're a little bit uh, regressive when it comes to their politics. So, yeah, this is this is not a place there's not like you could get on like Grindr or Scruff, any of these like gay apps. And you like on those apps, I don't know if you have any experience with anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone doesn't want to be, you know, if, you know, they have a work situation where they can't know they're gay, they don't put a picture up. Mm-hmm. So, and what you get here when you open up these apps is a lot of, you know, these tiles with no pictures because there's a lot of people who are in the same situation here because they're, you know, mechanics who, you know, work on boats or they, um, work in, you know, this very macho casino industry. Uh, and, and there's really not a lot of a big K population in the area in general. So that's there. There's a multitude of reasons why I, you know, choose to be this way. I could choose to, to be different, but this is, this is actually fine. I'm fine with it. And I, I'd rather not make it an issue and maintain a healthy relationship with the people I work with rather than, um, you know, get myself in trouble. No, I mean, that's fair. I'm not, no one's judging you for that. Um, I guess I, I struggle with the, with racists and like the idea of racists and then the idea of bad people. Are they bad people? Because I do know people who are racist and they're disgusting in their thoughts. But then I know that they can also, I've seen them be really good people to, you know, non-minorities or whoever else. And so I do struggle with that. And I understand where you're coming from and that you say like they have big hearts, just hopefully misplaced thoughts. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that if you, I think a lot of those types if if you call them on it and 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 like I said, present it in a in a way that they can understand, you know, uh, especially people my age and younger, you know, they they have the capacity to to alter the way they think. So and and I do think that in a couple generations, I think we'll be past a lot of this because, well, people will have been so inundated with, you know, uh, diversity you know, in television and music and, uh, you know, the, the arts in business that it, no one's going to care. No one's going to bat an eyelash. I hope so. So, but with that, well, uh, here's, I mean, here's how weird it is with what I do. And I'm not going to say what it is, mm-hmm. but with what I do, I am the only person I know in this industry who's gay. Whoa. Whoa! I mean, I'm sorry. I just now I'm thinking like, what does bro life do? <laughs> I can't help <laughs> well, I, but wonder. I, I can tell you, I can tell you, I'll find somewhere else, but I, not for the not for the podcast. No, that's fair. But I mean, I've, I mean, that is absolutely, I think, 100 percent the truth. Can I ask you some more questions? I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you're in your mid 40s. Um, I guess like. So when you what when you look at like the younger generation of gay guys, do you feel their experiences how are different from yours? And how so? 
Sure. I'm I talking mean, like 20. And I, th- I think it would be the same thing if someone who is older than me looked at my life. I mean, I, I think we're always going to look at what they're going through and think that, you know, they probably have it a little bit easier. But I, like I said at the start of this, I, I'm not a big fan of young people. So, um, it, when I think of them, I just see a lot of immaturity and, you know, probably not giving as, as much of a shit as they should. Hmm. But at the same time, I was the same way. So while it sounds like I'm judging them, I I think that they have a process to go through. It's just, you know, when when you look back at your own life in retrospect, you don't seem like you were that much of a dipshit when you were 22 or 23. But I know, I mean, I, I, I feel in my heart that I wasn't. I know in my head I was absolutely on probably a bigger dipshit than these kids are today. So really I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on it. Um, I, I actually work with a lot of young guys and I just think it, it's, it's, it's very strange young people and young gay people. I'm just, I'm just not around and I'll be honest. I mean like I love going to bars um, you know, I talk openly about the type of person that I'm like, which is an older, heavy set type. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, I mean, because of that, culturally, I'm not really involved with, you know, that other generation. My generation tends to be my age or older. And, you know, occasionally there'll be a young person who kind of, you know, enters into, you know, that orbit. But there's never really been one in my life that that kind of sticks most most of my friends are around my age and and are a lot of your friends gay i'm sorry are a lot of your friends gay um yeah i mean I, i'm i'm you know i've lived all over the country so it's kind of like a you know they're they're all scattered to the four winds we keep in close contact but um you know, I mean, I have, you know, gay friends in Philadelphia, which is relatively close. So I see people over there. I would say, I would say probably 90% of my friends are, are queer. You know how you said you're attracted to like older, heavier set gay men? Yes. Um, is, is that the same sort of guys that you porn to? That I what? That you porn to? Porn? Yeah. I don't, I don't really watch porn. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, that's so interesting. Why? No. I, I have a very active imagination. So if I want to get off, all I have to do is close my eyes. I envy you. <laughs> it's way better. There's a lot of time lost when you're like setting up tabs. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. another question related to Grinder I wanted to ask. When they don't have a picture... Like, do you don't do you guys eventually exchange pictures, or is it like at the meetup is when you see their face? No, I I would never meet anyone without seeing a picture first. Mm. There's too many flags out there. Yeah. So, but there's something weird. Here's a little inside info on gay life. Okay. When you reach thirty eight or forty, you are suddenly in what I call the doldrums, which is a period where 
people consider you sexually fallow. They, you know, no one finds you particularly attractive. Um, you know, so what consequently you're, you know, kind of your opportunities for hookups kind of, you know, dry up. So unless you actually meet someone at a, a bar or you have a friend who's coming to visit that you both have a mutual attraction. It's a lot different for people who are in, I would say, their late 30s to probably early 50s. And then when you start getting older, more towards that AARP segment, then people start finding you attractive again. Hmm. But it's just this weird gray area. Or it could be that I'm just butt fucking ugly, but I'm not the only person who's experienced this. It's a it's a common complaint that you reach a certain age and you seem to become invisible to the gay community. Oh, I've never um, heard that. That's so interesting. So right now I'm I'm right smack dab in the middle of that. Fortunately, I have someone that I you know love very much and. Uh, I, I don't have to worry about it. Now, now, he's older. He'll be turning 60 this year. Nice. He gets laid all the goddamn time. I mean, like, he can pick up his phone, get on... Growler is the one that, that's is, is the app that most people don't know about, which is more for, you know, uh, bears or daddies or... You know, this culture of people who aren't, don't have sculpted bodies. Mm -hmm. He can get on Growler and within 15 minutes find someone to fuck around with. Are you guys in an open relationship? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. I, I don't I don't believe in monogamy. Do you guys talk about the guys you're about to hook up with? Or is that... Or oh, do you... oh, definitely. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's cool. I guess I don't know if I really could openly talk about people that me or my boyfriend would hook up with before, right before we did it to like jealousy or something, but. Oh, well, for one, I don't have a jealous bone in my body. I never have. Um, this is both. I mean, this is my third long-term relationship. Fourth actually. And this is his second. And we both came out of relationships that his lasted more than 10 years, mine lasted 10 years, where we were monogamous. And it drove us crazy. I cheated all the time. Oh, because, really? I mean, I I just, you know, the, uh, there were our sexual needs that I just could not find from him and from my ex. And he was especially dense about it. So I was just kind of like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to go and have 15 minutes of fun with this person and be done with it. Um, have you ever been cheated I, on? I actually know that he fucked around on me oh. and I actually don't care. Oh. So going into this with uh, the guy I'm with now, uh, it, it never even came up for discussion. It was just assumed. Oh, that's so interesting. Do you ever show him your comments on Gawker? I talk about them sometimes, um, you know, especially if there's a really good discussion or, or if I, if someone, you know, lays like a really sick burn on someone uh, that I think is funny, then I'll share it with them. And he's very patient. 
and listens to it. And I'm, I'm sure he does care because that's the type of person he is. But I think there's some part of him that's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean, when I initially started, I show my boyfriend the comments too sometimes. But I mean, I've, I've had to sit him down and explain like the approved commenters, the grays. You know, it's just so he understands what the fuck I'm talking about sometimes. Right. It's a heavy burden. <laughs> Do you think that the commenters on Gawker know that you're gay? Yeah, I've got stalkers. Yeah? I have people, two different types. Some follow me around and uh, harass me because they think the only thing I talk about is sucking men's cocks. Uh, and, and they'll post it repeatedly. And they, I'm, I love dismiss now because I can just, bye. Uh, I have people who I assume know me from real life who have kind of had harassing behavior on there um, that I've had to actually talk with, you know, uh, the, the staff at Gawker to have banned because they were getting a little bit close to, to revealing too much information about me. And this mm. is before we had dismiss. Mm. Um, so yes, people, people know a human suitcase is, He's one of the, I think he has the same type that I do. So quite frequently, if, if I make a comment about someone, which I'm surprised you've never seen these because I make comments about guys all the time. I mean, like Rob Ford uh, articles. I mean, you couldn't stop me from talking about how sexy that dude is. So, <laughs> Excuse me. No. <laughs> Did you just vomit? Oh, sort of. I was like smoking my e-pen and then definitely <laughs> choked on the smoke because it's just a little stud. Like, that is very judgmental. No, I mean, it's good. People will say that this is mean, but I honestly mean this. It's good that you like Rob Ford because it makes me feel better in the world that there really is somebody for somebody. You know? Yeah. And people on Gawker have told me that, but... So anyway, no, I'm I make no bones about it, and I I think because I'm closeted in so much of my real life, mm -hmm. especially with the people I work with, getting on uh, Gawker or Twitter and being totally frank about you know my taste uh, in men and being open about my sexuality is just a wonderful liberty for me. It's a great release. Um. Why do you think that's so, I mean, I feel like I know I'm familiar with your dick jokes. Um, I just feel like you give you, that's just, you like talking about it. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, people are so puritanical about sexuality and I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I've, I've been a sexual creature from a very early age. I mean, when I, when I was three, I, I remember having fantasies about being six inches tall and the neighbor next door, you know, picking me up from the grass. This is very specific, but I mean, these are things that have been stuck in my head. Picking me up from the grass with his, you know, big bear paws and putting me in his underwear and carrying me around. And I would, and I would talk with my mom and say, yeah, this is what I, this is what's going to happen today. And my mom would just kind of, you know, be dismissive of it. She, you know, didn't really think too much about it. And it was kind of, I, I don't really, I'm not close with my parents, but um, 
you know, I mean, one of the things I'm really glad about my parents is, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of, like, nagging about what is, you know, appropriate behavior versus inappropriate behavior. So, you know, I was never one of those let your freak flag fly kind of kids. But, you know, I definitely, you know, if if I was, you know, I they, they've always known I've had an imagination and they never discouraged me from having an imagination. Whatever came out of my mouth when I was three, you know, my mom really didn't think about until I was old enough to, like, realize that, you know, these thoughts that I had were, you know, extraordinary. So then you learn to, you know, kind of, you know, not talk about them. You learn to keep it in your head. And fortunately, I had an imagination, and I have, and I have an imagination, so... You know, I could I could just, you know, think of the situation that I wanted to be in. And then when you when I entered puberty and started masturbating, it was even better because it's like, oh, you know, I can live this whole fantasy life while I'm doing this. And it's it's just great. Um, uh, really quick. Can I ask a question about your fantasy you had when you were three years old? It was the one where my where I was six inches tall. Uh-huh. And. Um, we had a, a husky neighbor with a crew cut who would always mow his lawn in, um, uh, what's the color? Like, uh, army green shorts and he would be barefoot and he was built like a, a tank and he had gray hair and he had gray, you know, f- fur on his chest. Anyways, I was six feet tall, and he would come across me, and and I think the 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 size thing came from watching the Thief of Baghdad. But anyway, um, six feet six inches tall, and he would pick me up, and he would put me in his sweaty underwear to go and finish mowing the lawn. That's so specific. Yeah, yeah. All of it. I mean, all of it that you remember it. You know, I'm like, I'm there with you in this memory. And I mean, this is, I guess, is an uncomfortable question. But so at three years old, was it like a sexual? It's a sexual fantasy? No. Oh, okay. I I think it's just the way I was wired, but I didn't associate. It wasn't like I was like thinking, oh, he's putting me in his pants because, you know, I'm going to be close to his dick. I wish I knew what your mom's face Look like when you told her that, like, okay, bro. So, uh, my cat's attacking me. Uh, what? Oh, let me ask you this. Um, okay, since we're talking um, on this on gay stuff, anyways, uh, is that rude to say? Anyway, sorry. Um, I noticed on Gawker more recently they have been showcasing more dick pics. Do you think what? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't. I don't care one way or the other. I th- I mean, I think it's fine. Like I said, I think that people should have a healthy attitude about sexuality. And I don't think being puritanical about things is healthy. I don't, you know, I don't think we should exist in an age where uh, Janet Jackson, you know, can have a nipple slip when she actually has what, I mean, she had like a pasty or a piercing on or something. Right. I mean, it wasn't even exposed. And, it causes this huge outcry. I mean, what does that say about the people of this country? But, you know, I don't like Miley Cyrus, but I love that Miley Cyrus is just putting it all out there. That she's, 
going to show her tits and she's going to talk about sleeping with girls and everything because I think that that is a very, very healthy attitude and she's doing it from the perspective of not being some drugged out weirdo. I mean, I think she's weird because I can't identify with her generation, but I think it's great that she's doing it. I think she's kind of a hero for doing it. And as far as, you know, putting dick pics up or, you know, does this tower look like a dick or what? I I think it's fine. I mean, it's generally not an article that you would see me jumping into and commenting on unless I had something clever to add to the uh, to the discussion. So why do you like discussing on why do you like commenting on Gawker? And why well, Gawker? I, and I also notice you comment a lot on io9. Yes, I do. Um, that's what got me to Gawker Media in the first place. Hmm. Do you want to hear the whole story? Yes. Okay. So way back in the early days of the internet, um, several I'm a I'm a movie freak and I love genre movies. So uh superhero movies, horror movies, uh action movies. I'm just a total spaz about them. And I have kind of a a weird encyclopedic knowledge about, you know, comic books that I've read. And God, Ives, leave me alone. Um, so way back in the 90s, there was a site called Ain't It Cool News. And it's still around, actually. And you'll see it referred to as AICN or Ain't It Cool News. And it's run by a guy named Harry Knowles, who's, you know, uh, a weirdo. But anyway, they started a commenting system on their board, and I had never been a part of anything like that. I had been, like, on, you know, BBS chat rooms and stuff like that. What's BBS? But uh, never one where there was, like, an ongoing discussion about a specific topic. But what is BBS? Uh, BBS were... Uh, online bulletin boards oh so it was just people it was like walking into a a crowded room with 100 people and everyone just talking at once so and it could be about a specific topic but there was no way to kind of like organize the thoughts that were going on okay does that make sense no it does it's it's like those 90s threads that i see sometimes from time to time still right okay so Anyway, I signed up, and my first uh, username was Dogstar, because I like Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) And they were in the habit, if you said something negative, they would ban you. So Dogstar was quickly banned, and then I had another screen name after that called Spidersense, which was, this was right around the time that they started ramping up production of the first Spider-Man movie. Spider Sense got banned. And so I was, you know, I was trying to think of a, a username, and I'm really into Burl Ives. It, not just him physically, but uh, I, I just love his music, which is super nerdy now that that comes out of my mouth, but whatever. <laughs> so I chose the name Burl Ives Left Nut, and I have no idea where it came from, but I. I mean, I've been using that now for almost 20 years because I jumped from Ain't It Cool News to uh, a Buffy the Vampire-centric uh, forum 
where I used it there. And then, gosh, I don't know. Oh, and then back at Ain't It Cool News, they opened up their own forums where I think I'm still a moderator there, but no one ever uses those forums. And then I I don't, I can't remember what happened. I was visiting, I wasn't commenting a lot on articles and I was visiting both two different types of blogs because I also love politics. So I was visiting Wonket a lot and I was visiting like comic book resources or something like that or comic book movie, but I really wasn't, you know, involved. And then I finally started commenting on Wonket articles, but I mean, like all those commenters, you know, it just seemed like they were just trying to one up each other with really bad jokes. Mm -hmm. So I never really quite got it. And then I kind of discovered io9. And then from there, I jumped over. Bless you. I am so sorry. It's okay. I jumped over to Gawker and just found the writing to be very, very funny. And uh, the comments to be very, very funny and probably a little bit more intelligent than what you would normally find on a comment thread. So uh, that that's what drew me to, uh, you know, my first Gawker Media was io9, uh, which can get people, geeks can be a little bit overly passionate about their, you know, little pet projects that they're into so i mean i i've actually gotten in trouble over there like i was followed and then i was unfollowed and now charlie jane finally followed me again about three months ago so i'm now like out of the grays over there but gawker i don't i don't you know between like katie weaver and adam weinstein and hamilton nolan uh god i know i think andy's very funny i think hudson's very funny mm-hmm. They're, it's just a, a funny group. Dana Evans, I mean, she's she's one of the ones that left, right? Yes. Uh, but, I mean, it was just a very funny group of people who seemed to enjoy what they were doing, whether it was just like a one-sentence, you know, article or whether it was, you know, a big, long, you know, thought-provoking piece. And Adam Weinstein, I mean, I really miss him Me because... Too. I mean, I think that is a huge loss for Gawker during this political climate because he is so exceptionally smart and writes about politics and, and the and the personalities of politics so well. And I don't I don't think anyone really uh, I think Gawker's kind of lost that. I, I don't think there's anyone no, agree. Who, who's who has picked up you know, that voice. Yeah. It's not just his voice. I'll say this. Like I, I'm not as, I just, I'm not as interested in like military topics. Um, Mm -hmm. But Adam would always write in a way where I would become interested. And I, you know, I actually liked learning. I told him that like, he's one of the few writers where I actually learned things of value. Um, It's a shame that they lost him because his reach, it's hard to reach such a, like, do well on topics like military or um, intelligence or security and stuff. So they just, it's a huge loss for Gawker and I agree. That's it. Yeah. I think most people agree with that. And I think that there's probably people at Gawker who agree with that. I also, I mean, I also think Hamilton's, 
I, I think Hamilton is the most exceptional troll in the world. I, I wish I could troll as hard as Hamilton does and as successfully. Because, I mean, he honestly believes what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, he his approach is so scathing. And what I think is so funny about it is he's, abs- he's actually just a, a brilliant optimist. He has a vision of how the world should be. And, you know, and that's what he's going to write about it. But he does it in such a way as to, you know, like he's carpet bombing what he disagrees with. And I just think it's funny and brilliant. And I and it just cracks me up. Just the sheer number of people who will click on an article that says it was written by Hamilton Nolan just to go down and complain about Hamilton Nolan. That's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's just funny. Who do you, who's your favorite commenter? Kittens and unicorns. Well, come on, come on. Who are your favorite <laughs> commenters? Seriously. Um, there's a guy on io9, on io9 named Paul Williams who's not even followed. <laughs> I, I, always, I always have to get him out of the grays. And I probably agree with 95%. I do this a lot with the stupid percentages, by the way. It's a very bad habit. But I agree with a lot of what he says. On Gawker, um, I love, what's his name? Cat. Uh, Cat Dog Whisperer. Yeah, Cat Dog Whisperer is very funny. Mm-hmm. Tooth Petard is very funny. Um, uh, I know I'm going to forget all kinds of people. Nefertiti's Tearful Ex-Girlfriend. I mean, like, Cheerful ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I just love the people that, like, right in the middle of them talking about one thing, suddenly there's, like, this this comment that is just so, you know, so, so full of common sense and so full of right thinking that it, it just, like, jumps out at you. Like, I can be reading along and not even paying attention to who's writing the comments, and I can get to an insightful comment from Cheerful Ex-Girlfriend that just absolutely pops out at me, will make me laugh, and, you know, and just has the absolutely, in my opinion, 100% correct interpretation of whatever it is they're talking about. So uh, that's who I'm going to go with. I'm going with Cheerful Ex-Girlfriend. What else? Uh, worst experience on Gawker? Um, I wish this was Gawker Media because it would be a lot easier. Worst experience on Gawker. Oh, we could do Gawker Media. All of Gawker no, Media. No, I have one. Okay. I. This is probably super insensitive, but when the guy who who invented the stuffed crust pizza died i was on there and i'm always perplexed because i don't i don't i'm an atheist and like to me death is it's just it's just dying and i know people mourn people that they love but it, it always puzzles me when random people who don't know stuffed crust pizza guy get on there and start commenting about, oh, how sad, what a terrible loss. And I was like, well, none of you people knew him. What on earth is the big deal? 
you know, it's not like he contributed, you know, something great to humanity. Like, um, you know, who's the neurologist that died this weekend? I mean, someone who actually contributed to our understanding of, you know, human nature and the mind. I mean, that's a loss. Stuffed crust pizza guy is not a loss. And I've got like death threat after death threat and, you know, you know, you should kill yourself and, you know, over and over again. That was probably like the most heinous people acted towards me. Did it affect you? I mean, did you feel a little bit of anxiety when people are telling you to kill yourself online? Um, not so much. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it, it bothers me. And I, and I think I, I've said this before on Gawker. I don't like it because you have no idea what the state of the person is you're talking to. And, uh, you know, I've I've had family who's close family, immediate family who's committed suicide, and you know I don't, you know I just think that it's, uh, I think it's inappropriate, and I think it's incredibly stupid and juvenile to say, well, you know I disagree with you, so kill yourself. I mean, what what kind of thinking is that? You know, you've now made whatever comment that I had that offended you completely moot. Um, you know, by, you know, making, making the most violent, you know, giving me the most violent imperative you could possibly give someone, you know, or the ones where people say, oh, you know, you know, you should, I hope you get hit by a bus or, you you know, I I mean, it, it drives me nuts. And the other ones that drive me nuts are the ones who, who profile you. I call them gawker profilers. What do you mean by that? Well, it's the ones where you make a statement and then suddenly someone has to write a five-paragraph essay with thesis about why they think you made that statement. You must be very lonely. You must have no friends. You must, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have an inner child. You uh, grew up with a mother who doesn't love you. Um, You leave teeth marks on your victim's food in the refrigerator. I mean, like this really detailed analysis of someone's personality just because you don't agree with their comments. It's like the most ridiculous thing in the world to me. And I cannot understand why people waste their time with it. I mean, other come up with the quick burn or step the fuck back. (laughs) That's a good. I think that's a fair statement to say. A lot of Gawker people would feel the same way. Um, right. Not on a relate. This is a. I don't want it to sound like it's a related question, but it's a question on my list. Do, mm-hmm. do you come in at Jezebel? And if yes or no, why? I mean, if no, I, I, why? I do occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes just their take on stuff is, you know, extremely stupid, and I'll post something that's inoffensively contrarian to what you know, what what they're saying. Sometimes, you know, I'll just, you know, add to the conversation. I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily read Jezebel that much because I, the, their viewpoint, is, which is totally valid, just isn't the same viewpoint that I have. So a lot of times, I, and, and frankly, their articles aren't, you know, they cover a lot of topics that, I've, that I'm just not interested in. Uh, and... So I mean, yes, I do comment there, uh, but not not really all that often. And you know, when you're in the grays, I think it's it 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 really 
you think, well, what's the point? Because no one's going to read it anyway. That's so I'll 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 probably respond to someone on Jezebel more than I would just make an outright comment about something. Okay, final question. You ready? Yeah. What would you want people? How would you describe Burl Ives left not using three separate adjectives? Three separate adjectives. Because sometimes people will give me like a three word phrase, so I've had to clarify. Yeah, and say, you've had to you've had to clarify. Yeah. Sexual. Nice. This is tough because I, I have a hard time saying positive things about myself. Oh, but Burl, you should know every person I've talked to, it's it was tough for them. This the final question. Oh. <sighs> I'm just gonna be totally narcissistic. I'm okay. gonna say sexual, clever, sexual. Clever and funny. Okay, I agree I with all those. I don't know. What? What? Why? What? I mean, like, I don't. I mean, like, I don't. I don't even think those three are good. But whatever. That's my final. final I think you answer. are definitely those three. I only. I only laughed because I guess. I just, I don't know. I just expected a different word. Not that you're not funny, what, but... What, how would you describe me? I guess I kept thinking outsider. you were going to say surly, but I think... Surly? That's because of the grumpy old man. Uh, you know, that's fine. I Re mean, Replace funny with surly. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Burl Ives Left Nut, for having this call with us, and... Um, we yeah. didn't even get to talk about the blowjobs in the shoe store. Oh, my God. Yes. Actually, that's one thing I do want to talk about is that one thing I'll never forget about Burl is can you tell us? We'll end with your story, actually. Okay. So I worked at a shoe store part time and it was the kind of shoe store that was it was only men's shoes. And I've always had a shoe fetish. I love them. I have hundreds of shoes. So I got this part-time job, and it was the kind of shoe store where if a customer complained about the slightest little thing with the shoes, we would just give them a new pair. So consequently, we would have a lot of what we called dead shoes that would, were just going to be sent back to some factory someplace and destroyed. They weren't going to be refurbished. They weren't going to be anything. So we would sometimes uh, sell them on eBay, you know, but we had never we, we weren't allowed to sell them in the store. But what was great about them is that like if someone came back and they had a pair of shoes in my size, I could just take them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care about whatever little minor problem there was with it. But the other great thing about it was it was a nice lure. <laughs> because if you're talking with someone and you say where you know you work and i can't say what it is but it's a, a pretty famous brand you know they get excited and um and you know it's something you can offer them and i would always start off with the idea of saying well why don't you just come in and and you know let me fit you for our shoes oh no i can't afford that i can't afford that so it was you know a, a really big deal when someone you know cute would come in that I had talked to and, you know, we would see, you know, where it would go. But there were times more than once where an offer was made 
four shoes specifically in exchange for me blowing them. How does this even come up though? Like, how do you know that a straight guy isn't straight? Like, oh no, 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 no. This oh. is these are people that I would chat with online oh. and, and then have them come to the store. But oh. I will tell you this: there were I did have a couple of experiences with married guys. One married guy, uh, I gave him a really big discount. I mean, he spent like $6,000 in one afternoon, and I gave him a huge discount. And when the shoes came in and I, you know, made sure that they all fit because most of them had to be ordered, I walked into the back, you know, and there was like a curtain, and I walked into the back, and he followed me, and it's like, oh, I'll bring the shoes out to you. And he says, no, I didn't thank you. What? And I was like, I'm sorry. And he held me held my shoulders and he pulled me in and gave me like this very tender, sweet kiss right on the lips. How did he know that was going to be okay? I don't know. Sometimes you just know. I guess. So, and there were, I mean, there's a couple other experiences like that, but no, the ones, the ones that I gave the shoes to, it was very clear a situation of, of, you know, me hiring a prostitute. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, they weren't. It wasn't that. I mean, one of the one of the things that I always joke about in my life, because of the the type of person that I'm into, is like if I ever encounter a prostitute that is my type, I'm going to sleep with that person because most rent boys and you know, gigolos or whatever you want to call them, whores. <laughs> You know, they're they're young and pretty. I mean, you don't see, you know, a 60-year-old a bearded guy with a, a big flabby beer gut, you know, standing on a corner. True, not yet. <laughs> Looking for tricks. So, yes, I mean, they weren't, they weren't specifically prostitutes, but they prostituted themselves out for me for shoes. I mean, the thing is, they you say they prostituted themselves, but the thing is, you gave people shoes and you went down on them i mean that sign me up for that you were doing all the work bro <laughs> i mean that's an awesome deal that's how i roll i'm helpful <laughs> like that <laughs> i never forgot that story because i was like that is the best deal ever <laughs> and i hope in my life to meet someone like you in my future please dreamboat oh. over here it was a good time. I actually really miss working at that store. So it was it was fun. Well, thank you for sharing all your stories with us. Well, I hope it's of interest. <laughs> no, it was great. Thank you so much. And um, I'll definitely let you know when it's going up. Uh, probably be a few weeks, like three weeks, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thanks, Burl. Uh-huh, thank I'll you. I'll see you on the main page. Bye. Bye.